chaos comes, it's a chance to be initiated. You know, thinking that the United States and its ideas in church have come closest to reflecting reality is like thinking Iceland is the basketball capital of the world. It's actually a psychological disorder. F-O-M-O. Fear of missing out. When a man becomes who he was made to be by God, every day is adventure. Guys, welcome back to the End Zones Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Sam. You, whoa. Whoa. From the future. Tell I, me. I've come back to you. What are the winning lottery numbers? To tell you that here in the future, we have the final episode of our series on human nature. Oh. Was, how did it go? It went great. <laughs> but here in the future... We know that in the past, you're still working on it, uh-huh. and that production schedules being what they are, uh-huh. we're actually talking about something else. Right. Also because our brains needed a break to let off some of the steam and let those mashed potatoes we used to call for brains sort of, I don't know, how did mashed potatoes become brains again? So I'm just going to go back into the time window. Uh, from which I came. My <clears throat> future, Sam. You sound a lot like Blaine. And I am Blaine, and I am here. Blaine, welcome back. Thank you. Today, we're we're talking about friendships, kind of. Yes and no. I don't. What do you mean, kind of? Well, what I mean is, when we we just had an event this last weekend, and we had one month ago. Um, and I've begun noticing that there's two massive themes that young men will ask about and talk about and want solutions for. And they're related, but they're sort of different. And one is there's this sense of loneliness, this sense of isolation, the sense of longing for friendship, even before romance, like there's this need and they don't often know what the next question is, but they're just saying, like, I have this need. The other strand is that many young men seem to be able to point to their fathers who are isolated in their old age. They may be very good men. They may respect their fathers a lot, but they look and they see that he has no friends and they're terrified of becoming that. And so similar theme, different lenses. But we just had this event, and so it, it caused us to um, be thinking about all this stuff again. And I played a song for you yesterday. Oofta. Which is, you know, sort of heartbreaking and longing all at once. It's uh, Ben Rector's Old Friends. And it started this conversation that we had spontaneously that would have been great to just have a mic going. But, you know, when you got to smoke a cigar, you got to be off sometime. You can't... I know that, like, a lot of what I say... Is gold. I knew that this is the direction you were going. <laughs> it's like the best practice would be to record everything Sam says because would be, all of it's so valuable. I, I would love to record true. Your, any opportunity you had for conflict with Susie and air that as an episode. Oh, yeah, rather than trying to recreate that in the studio, that'd be great. Tell me what the experience was like for you listening to that song and where we went with some other conversation. It was... Wow. Profound. Well, I think you've summed it up well. (laughs) I'm trying to 
put words to why it was as poignant as it was, because it's a song about friendship, but it's a high school band, and now they're 31. They're not 18, they're in their 30s, and they're playing together, and they're reflecting on the thing that the unique entity that is a long-term friendship, what it actually is, what that kind of visibility does for the heart. And this is where the conversation went right away. The first thing I would say to Blaine, let's say a decade ago, Hmm. is I would say your defaults are insufficient. Probably probably applies today too, right? Yeah, bobbing is not going to work. Friendship is in its nature uh, like a skill and a thing that you do on purpose. Hmm. And I think that my overwhelming tendency to relate out of either surface level or the flesh or just the defaults of my personality mm-hmm. are actually going to make friendship very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're going to be intrigued by the song, you can just, just pause this now and go look up Ben Rector, old friends. Um, but part of what's so longing about it is his chorus of like, that you can't make old friends. And he has these very specific pieces of like what friendship is like over time the ways of knowing a person. And we were reflecting that a lot of that you can't control. I was thinking of the friends that I either mishandled or underestimated or lost over the last 25 years. I mean, I think of our neighborhood friend and we met when we were eight, seven. I mean, like really young. Um, And we were reflecting that not, Every person turns out the most normal. Um, And so there's like, there is a natural ebb and flow to some of those. There were some of those that was just a person was going in a different direction. And over the span of a decade or two decades, like those small degree shifts away from each other turns into quite the expanse that at this point would be very jarring to try and overcome from purely motivated by nostalgia or something like that. But the people that we do have that are that go back 20 plus years, like there is a richness to it. There's this longing. There's this like, oh, you you have seen you have seen more of my world. You understand more of why I am the way I am. And therefore when I make a comment or a joke, it has this rich history to it that I think like human beings, we want that everywhere. That's why we want to find our tribe. We want to find our people. We want to find people that we can like tuck into. And part of like what it did for me in our conversation yesterday was I was realizing that I feel spread in a lot of different places and like I'm, and I'm shallow with all of them. And I, I almost wish that you had been future Sam. I could have asked you like in 30 years, who are the people that are going to be around? Because a friendship I start now could be that 30-year rich friendship down the road, but it feels like less of a guarantee because I've just we're in a season of a lot of transients from high school into college into post-college and all of the moves that happen. And I all of the factors say, yes, spread yourself thin and wide and don't go 
terribly deep because who knows how long this will last. It is the core of the problem. I was saying, and you were untangling this before the episode, but of how one of my desires is to be less available more places so I can be more available in just a few, just a couple places. And here's the thing about spreading thin. I, I, there's just a very interesting question of, do you know who is important to you in this season? And how would you find that out if you didn't know? Assuming you do know, are you, am I living in a way that reflects that? Because 30 years from now, right, there is that. I think I would be very surprised if I look at sort of the handful of people who we grew up with and the one or two who uh, have trended in a compatible direction such that we still love being together, I would not have guessed. But on the other hand, because, you know, you could see that and go, therefore, invest everywhere. Balance your relational portfolio because who knows what the market will do. Or you could go, no. Do you know who's important to you in this season? And am I living in a way that, that that relationship is likely to last if it is supposed to? Yeah, that's good. For me, some of those pieces of are you living in a way where it's likely to last, um, particularly in this day and particularly in this season. And by day, I mean like that there does seem to be a lot of animosity in our culture these days. And by this season, I mean my age and the age of coming out of the 20s into the 30s where people are coming and going and at the same time feeling very isolated and very lonely. And one of the things that we do talk about with a lot of guys who are and sons to the bone is that that's going to be incredibly isolating for a while. If you are taking anything seriously about your maturity and your soul and your walk with Jesus, that's just going to be even more isolating. So it's like, okay, brace yourself. And there's a hope that I would not let those things define how I walk in relationships because those things are going to do a couple of negative things. They're going to make me really quick to cutting things off if it doesn't seem like the person is right. Like if they're not on board at the same level, moving in the same direction, I'm going to quickly gain an impatience for people lagging behind. And because of our culture of just this boom, 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 animosity, let's like, let's keep rolling. Let's just be aware that we're transient. I'm going to be pretty quick to ghost someone and be like, yeah, that was like a season. We We just didn't really connect. And like, what's hard is the discernment between there are some relationships that I have, I have too many. I have too many relationships. Susie cracks up about this all the time where I'm like, I have enough people in my life. I do not need more friends. And she's like, my gosh, you're such an introvert. That's ridiculous. I'm like, no, no, no. I like, I genuinely think that I could do a better time loving and investing in the friends that I do already have. If I didn't feel like I also had to become best friends with the latest person who's rolled through town or crossed our path. Like, ugh, it's hard. Separating those, separating what you already said. Am I being motivated by going deeper with a few or am I being motivated by my impatience with their maturity or am I being motivated by the culture that just says, 
go quickly, get out fast. Who cares? Yes. Capacity. It's interesting because in sort of the social science world, it's acknowledged that the typical person has capacity to know about 100 people. Know in what way? Because I, I could probably list way more names than that. A hundred, uh, like what would qualify Khan, as relationships. Abe Lincoln. Oh, okay. You're only transmitting, in some sense, sharing a meaningful part of your reality at any time with no more than 100 people is what your soul has capacity for about. And I think on the intimate level, there's, uh, it is really helpful to ask like how many, how many friendship friendships do I have space for? And I'm concluding, you know, uh, maybe around three, certainly no more than five. And here's a really fun exercise. Uh, this one comes with a dare. Uh, I dare you, audience, uh, to use the Gospel of John and try to figure out which of the disciples you can also uh, you can also dip into Acts. Which of the, the disciples were fre- were actual friends with each other in addition to being disciples of Jesus? Um, there's a rabbit trail there, but I'm curious about it. Of how did that how did that relational life work? Paul's relation, relational life is a great template for, yeah, how many people can you be for the level of loneliness that accepting maturity can mean? And yet for how much provision there is in the midst of loneliness and how much over time, you know, somewhere between three, like up to between, somewhere up to five relationships can bear out over time. And it's really interesting because, you know, if you told me that when I was in college, I'm like, no, I've got a dozen people that are really meaningful to me. And then, but if you were to look at now and go, okay, yes, there were a dozen truly exceptional people who you were around, but just in the reality of your everyday life, like how many did you end up having capacity for? How many of you had capacity for each other over time? And it, and it trends down. Right, which is now I'm thinking of all of the older men beyond the age of 50 that I know. And all of a sudden, 50 doesn't sound that old, which is so bizarre. I remember when I was 16, 50 was like ancient. You're like Gandalf. Now it's like, I think of men who were in their 60s, 70s. What are their friendships like? And it does seem as though it does trend down. Like there's this... I I understand the fear of being the isolated older man with no close friends because of that downward trend that at first feels and probably is very appropriate. Like I don't want, I don't want the hordes to all feel the same level of intimacy with me. And that's a terrible way of putting it. But when I was in college, um, we had this thing where you just like overshare with people. Um, you'd be very honest about your inner world and your wrestlings. And I don't think that was limited to that college. I think that was blossoming in the culture. This sort of like, I made a joke once 
somebody tried using one of my past stories against me and I was like, my dirty laundry is so aired, it's clean at this point. Like it's been hanging out on the line for everybody to see forever. Like you just got, you got nothing on me. But that actually revealed my heart behind it. I would be very open with a lot of people as a means of self-protection. And like, therefore, since everyone knew the inner workings of my heart, no one knew the inner workings of my heart and no one got the verdict on them or to speak into that. If anybody tried to question or change or challenge or heal, if I didn't like the way any particular person handled it, I could just eject that person from my repertoire of people. And it was no skin off my back because I had filled my life with everybody up to the same level. It was horrible. Like none of it actually spoke of longevity. And then fast forward three years to me leaving that college town or maybe four or five years. It's getting so hard to remember all the way back there. Um, I was, I drove away like without looking back. Drove away very easy, easily. I drove away very easily knowing that many of those friendships were done. And I wasn't sad about it. And I'm sad about it now. But I had like this stoic, well, the people I'm going to be friends with, I'll be friends with. And the people that I'm not going to be, like that's a lost cause. So I just wash my hands of that and move on with my life. And so I had this piece of like, what does it look like to be cultivating those long-term friendships and be, and be willing to not have them look the way you think they should look for a season. A lot of people think of dad and Craig and go, wow, how did you get that? How do you get decades of life and that friendship and understanding? And it's like, well, they lived in different states for like 20 years, 10 years, 15 years. Long time. And would jump on the phone once a month. I don't think it was once a week. That sounds like sounds like way too much commitment. I don't know that commitment to anybody. Um, but there was this commitment to each other of, I know this isn't what we hoped it would be, but once a year we're going to have a trip together and we're going to have a regular rhythm of connecting because they knew that back in 1980, it was already hard to keep people in your life and not get swept along in the current. Yes. So many significant pieces here. That sense that you were talking about of openness versus vulnerability and the difference. And just to go, vulnerability has lost some of its original meaning of um, in danger, danger, danger of being harmed. And to go like, you know, if you are without armor on a battlefield, you're vulnerable. Um, And to go, it's interesting, you know, who you are being vulnerable with are those who you actually trust to not harm you when they could, Um, where you are in a state that you could be affected, that you could be harmed, um, but you are okay. Uh, You know, that's like the the terrifying thing in marriage is, uh, you know, you can have incredible amounts of openness and familiarity without ever like being willing uh, to let the other person be able to harm you. Um, and and that, that like letting down, uh, it's actually, it can be very difficult. Um, and to go, 
this is this this is a great test for sort of the who are your few is one of the questions that I love asking people to go, you know, let's say that you, let's say you want some friendships and you're in a state where you're in a position where you're kind of trying to figure out like, what do I do? This is, let's say you're not the person who is in this season by yourself. Um, More thoughts on that. Um, But to go, here are some tests. Like, who would you be willing to um, be a, to have be able to harm you? But you actually trust you trust that they won't. Another one is who seems to be relating to the same Jesus is like very significant, especially if you're in a church or a, you know some kind of missional context, and to go. Um, who who actually seems to be relating in the way they talk and the decisions they make with something like the same person? That will be very helpful. And then that concept of at like at rest, who who could you conceivably be with when you your tank was empty and you're like, but I could still do that. Uh, those would be valuable indicators of oh that person is actually a priority. There's something going around in there. It's been going around forever, which is, you know, we just need to be able to say no. And that's people's solution. I don't know how far back this goes. This is a ridiculous proposition of learn to say no. How will you not be busy? I'll say no to things. And I'm like, you just have a very bad understanding of, I have had a very- Meaning you think it's more complex than that. Yes. Well, I would say you actually have to ask what allows a person to know what to do, like period. How do you know what to do? And I would say, you actually have to spend some time figuring out what your season is about and therefore what things are a priority to you and what are not. And it be, you know, it's like budgeting. All budgeting is good prioritizing and going like, right now, boom, here are the things I'm called to. Therefore, here are the things I'm available to. Therefore, all of the, re- the requests out that um, are like, mm. thank you, I'm not available to that in, in this season. And I was just telling you, I've recently had like two conversations that were retroactive where, you know, I had said yes to a thing with a guy in the neighborhood who then in praying uh, with Emily was like, is this a guy that I'm supposed to be going after right now? And Jesus was like, no, not him. And it was like, really? Yeah, not like, and then it was, oh, okay. So what should we have, what kind of connection? And Jesus is like, I don't have a lot of connection for you and him this time. And so he, you know, the normal thing would be like, well, muscle it out, go on the ride together and then ignore his texts. But instead being like, he comes to the door and go, hey, thanks for the invite. I'm really sorry to back out last minute. I'm actually not available. Like, don't don't have space. I'm sorry for making you wait. Have a great ride. That was it. And just to go, uh, having an understanding of what, like, my life stage is and my priorities are actually sort of naturally brings to light, like, therefore, I am available to X, Y, Z things and not available to the other things. Right. And it's actually, a, it's a really helpful concept that I think I personally need to 
redo for a season. Um, and you think about it, think about it like in the work day, like it, what is, what is your season about? What is it that you, what is it God is doing? What is it that you need? And if what you need is to be finishing a particular project, then things not related to it are in the way and should be easily said no to. But if what you're meant to be doing is resting, then actually you need to take the productivity gauge way back and be okay with that and be like, no, what I need to be doing is to be setting time aside in my schedule where I am going to be resting and going to be able to be more productive down the road rather than trying to like do all of it at once, which is what I've recently fallen into. I'm like trying to get done every single project that's related to work and not related to work, related to my house, related to my creativity. I'm also trying to rest and squeeze that into the margins. I'm trying to be a good dad, trying to be a good friend, trying to separate friendships that are like deep and intimate and long lasting and the friendships that are just meant to be me offering a little bit of my time and not looking for anything else there. And like, that is the complexity of life, but eventually it becomes, there's no system. And therefore I've been describing my life as like steel wool where like it kind of hurts. You can't untangle it without cutting yourself. It's going to be bad. I don't think you can untangle it if you don't start cutting some of the strands. Yikes. Like good luck, right? Yes. Somebody said, get this into Vivid. one. Right. That's what it's felt like. Um, so a couple of questions. The first question is, have you taken time to evaluate the relationships around you and let yourself be surprised by the ones that may be more important than you thought and are the ones that you are actually supposed to be about whereas your idea of yourself and what the season about is wrong and I think about this personally in terms of the neighbors across the street where like if I look at my calendar right now it is full it's full and it makes me so exhausted just looking at it when like there's things in the morning and things in the evening to bookend work and trying to play with it and be present to the family in the margins. It's like, what the heck? What happened? But on Sunday, we're hosting our our small home group and then we're having drinks with the neighbors across the street. And I found myself going like, oh, I'm actually really excited about that part because they're these neighbors that I'm have already been living across the street from for five years and may continue to f- for decades. And I think it was one of those moments where I was asking myself that question and I was surprised to go, oh, I think, I think they may be less transient in my life than some of the people that I'm hosting on Sunday morning. And they like I, I should treat that with a little bit more weight than I was already, I was ready to walk into it and be kind of flippant and not think of it as very important. And so that was, the th- that was this is my question for you. Does this land as well? Like, are there relationships where you've had to kind of go, wait a second, if I just look at this, if I just write it all out, who am I relating to? Where's my life overlapping? I actually need to like readjust where I'm focusing and that will actually prove super helpful. Yes, totally. That's oh, the answer. Okay, well. Easy. They seem like simple questions, but what is this relationship and what does it need is a very big question that requires quite a lot of stillness in your life to be able to figure out. I mean, Ryan Holiday just released a book, Stillness is the Key. Dad has a book coming out about get your life back, about uh, the amount of how much slower the pace is 
that the soul needs than we think. Like the right. faith, and to go, this requires a lot of space to like be able to sort this out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fascinating to think through, you know, one kind of asking, hey, who are the one or two people that I'm close with? Who are the one or two people that I'm very much on mission to? Or as a friend of ours, you used the language really beautifully of like, who are the one or two people who God is inviting me to adopt into my heart? Mm. Um, and then who are the people who are allowed to come around? Like who I'm not necessarily going to have substantive relationship with, but who are totally invited to be part of the context. And, you know, you talking with your neighbors, it is fascinating to look at people and go, who, who is this person? What is this relationship? What does it need? Mm-hmm. And to let it, and to let the cards fall both ways of like, um, yes, your life has a calling and it will, and there will be people you're called to. And, um, God knows what your humanity is like, actually cares about your humanity and what he calls you to will make sense within like the terms of your humanity. So it's, it's like, um, but I'm called to have intimate relation, intimate relationships with 50 people. Be like, I can tell you right now, that's not true. Uh, there's just no way. Um, but you're like, wait, you're close with 50 people. What do you mean? Oh, you're part of your job is that you are your discipling 50, you know, I don't know, heads of companies and go like, oh, well, that's interesting. And there is reciprocity there. And it's not like we just did the mentoring conversation, but to go like, look at that relationship, look at that relationship. Is, um, you're certainly not having, um, you know, one of, every one of those people over once a week because then you would only see them once a year. So there's just, there's kind of some limits baked in <laughs> to time. Yes. Yeah. So the, the other question that comes to mind for me is um, what, what are actual priorities when starting from scratch that make you interested in a person? You mentioned earlier, like, is there something about the God that you ha- have in mind? Is it like, there's just a few categories where I want to go. We are speaking out of being in this town for several years now and um, having a podcast. And so having this division of a part of our lives that is meant to be offering some to the many and trying to walk well in what we have for the few and trying to go with our families and closer friends. That's not, everybody's situation. And I'm trying to think of like, let's get the scenario is this is all done. You're starting from scratch. You have just moved to a new city and a new state. What are you going to do to begin chumming the waters? What's going to seem most important about a total stranger over 10 minutes to make you wonder if there could be something more? Like what are the things? Yeah. It's a great question, and I'm thinking about some of my last experiences. And and I'm grateful that I'm like, oh, man, I actually have to go back. Now that I've lived in one place for four years, I have to go back four years to go, how did I, the last couple of seasons where I was pretty, very alone, and there wasn't even like a once a month Skype call. It was just, you know, relating with not very many people. How did I do that? Uh, And Ruth Haley Barton has a, very simple tool that I just love that she goes, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the mind of Christ. 
And so that sort of gut level, which she names as consolation or desolation, is actually very helpful. And consolation, I mean, it's all in the language of like, someone goes, hey, I'm going on a backpacking trip. Do you want to come? And it's like, do you feel like intrigue, assurance? Yeah. Or actually in thinking about it, do you feel fear, reservation, anxiety? And ancient Hebrews put the the seat of tender emotions in your guts, like deep down in your splachnon. And it was like, that, you know, gut feeling eventually comes from there. But to go, um, one of the things, um, you know, when I was in Canada and I was around other people who were my age and I was, you know, like at a, you know, found a church in town, started going and like, um, there is kind of that looking for, okay, Jesus, point them out. Who am I drawn to? Because at a college or at a church, you'll eventually get like, a few beer invitations or go climbing like, and to just sort of check, check how it literally felt to me to go, even though I don't have very many friends right now, doesn't actually mean that I'm available to everyone. It's a crazy idea. You know, you're like, I have a lot of time. Therefore, I must just be available to anybody who asks. No, let me just relieve you of that right now. Available to everyone. It's never true. Um, I think of a guy in particular who is awesome, who would, kind of funky dude, goatee from Chattanooga. And was like, like, hey, you want to grab beers? And I was like, check and go, yeah. And uh, we didn't end up having like this great friendship, but there was like a provision there. Like I did enjoy our time together and God did use it as like part of the manna of a season that was actually pretty isolated. So same question to you. Seasons when you've been alone or are really sort of starting to build again. What are some of the things that you do? Yeah, it has been some seasons. I actually find it harder to find close male friends at church-related things. Um, because I, every environment is pulling out different parts of our brokenness and different posers and different things. And so personally, I walk into a religious space and I have all sensors up. I am like very much on what feels like hostile ground. And therefore I'm not in a great place to have if somebody comes up and they're overly friendly. It's like a, this alarm trilling. Dive, dive. I'm like, wait, what are you, why are you diving? Get out of your submarine. Like this, you were in this place for this very interaction. Uh, that's just me. But that, that, so I would not go looking there. And I would be more likely to go looking at a, a climbing gym or a triathlon club or a cigar lounge. And I would set myself into environments that I understand better and feel more comfortable in and therefore can see what is like that culture's pose. Cause man, every culture has got a pose. And we were making fun of this all the way back since high school. Just like we would go snowboarding, but we'd be making fun of the snowboarding culture. So, oh man, bro, let's go shred the narnar. There's some sick pow pow now. Oh, you're actually wearing a snowboarding jacket right now. Right. But like we were participating in it and still like very aware that it had a culture. And so 
I know that climbing gyms and cigar lounges and triathlon clubs have a culture, but I'm able in knowing that to kind of move past that part of someone's personality a little bit quicker. So like, this is one of my, this is one of my little personality tricks, right? So if you, if you throw a blue filter on your lens, like you're going to actually wash out a lot of the blues in the world because they're always going to meld in. I'm going to be seeing the colors other than that, which is weird because you're looking through blue, but I'm actually, it makes sense to me, even if it doesn't make sense to your eyeball. Um, and at that point, I'm more interested if a person um, has a curiosity and has an openness to conversation and different topics because that's going to tell me at least a little bit of the state of their heart. It's going to tell me how much work I'm going to have to do to get to like find out. Like, I, Are you interested in having more conversations? Are you interested in hanging out? Are you interested in, I mean, the ideal situation I think we end up throwing out there is that there's a couple, a group of guys who are passionate about Jesus and able to go on adventures together and able to intervene in each other's lives. And it's like, that is, you're not going to find that perfect scenario anywhere. And so you're going to begin building in towards that from some direction. So you can, you can pick one of those things. And for me, it's not a guarantee. You walk into a church, it's not a guarantee that they're going to think the same way about God or their heart or their soul or their trauma that you are. And they're not going to think the same way about adventure as you. And so actually I feel like I'm at less of a deficit if I begin with like the shared passions and then move toward Jesus. than if I begin with religion and hope to pick up passions in Jesus as well. So that's what I would do. It's such a helpful example though, because also it like takes off the pressure of, uh, it has to be everything. You have to find the Jesus loving rock climbing poetry writing, like, and uh, I actually often, not that often, but I occasionally wonder, would I actually enjoy like a clone of myself? I don't think so. No, you guys would get into a fight. That's, um, that's the thing, right? Right? But I'm like, there is just something of like uh, familiarity mixed with otherness, familiarity identifying itself across contrast um, that makes like... The thing is that some of your close friends say just so funny and weird. Um, and so like permission for it to be, yeah, to come in pieces again and to right. like, and to go, it might be fine. It might be fine that the guy that you play racquetball with is not the guy that you talk to about a difficult thing in your marriage. Like, but totally. something of friend of real friendship. Yeah. Is being provided to you? Yes. Oh, this is good. I hate the the that like art of manliness package that there was this. You had to check all these boxes, and once you had, you were able to engage and fulfill all roles. So it's like if you know scotches, if you are familiar with certain landscapes, have done certain sports, if you've done uh, like the correct reading, like all it, there was like art of manliness, sort of like. It's the website that made that available for you. You can know all of the things and therefore be an interesting man and sell dosa keys and you'll be a really good friend and 
It's like, wait, what? What? Why? Why are we all still? I actually hate those conversations. I hate the conversation that moves too quickly into, so you like drinking scotch? And it's like, I, who are you, Ron Swanson? Like, no, don't just go to the cliche thing that like, I'm, yes, yes, I like scotch, but like, ugh. yes, I've, a few random ones here because I was random enough. I mean, we do talk about uh, like a a context is helpful. Uh, for relating, but a context really is helpful inside of, um, I'm, for me, it's interesting to ask, do the people who are important to me in this season know? Like, I have to ask that somewhat regularly. I think that's a knowledge that's meant to be shared, the language of mutual adoption of like, yeah, this relationship is a priority. And then you get to like have, which can be kind of awkward and intimidating to say, so you know. Totally. I, I'm not saying that like, and I'm not saying that a real conversation that took place was an easy experience of going, <laughs> hey, no, you know what? I just feel like compelled. I just I need to let you guys know, like, you guys really are my close friends. Mm. Uh like right now, like. There's not another group where I'm going to that I actually feel more with. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's I'm good. committed. And then learning to ask the question, what does your relationship need? Is kind of like a great one. Or hey, one, it can be, what does your relational soul need? Let's say you're in isolation and then you can ask God for like, you know, I've got a climbing buddy, but I don't have any mentoring. And, you know, it may be, you will be surprised where God will bring that in a different category. But, you know, I've shared sometimes about how when I was really injured and couldn't do any of our exercise things and was like, God, I need adventure. What he brought me was a book that I discovered while, you know, buying household stuff on Amazon that led this adventure. And so if you're like, what is my relational soul need right now? And you're like, oh, I'm desperate for mm. a mentor. And I'm like, God might send you a book for right now. Right. Like, um, if you are with people going, what does this need? It's kind of where context goes where it's like, hey, I've got a couple buddies, but we mostly, like, we spend a lot of time just talking. And so we're going to plan a backpacking trip. Or we all want to do blank uh, as as important connection. So we're going to do it. And if you read Anson's magazine, you'll know that's how I ended up on a pig hunting trip last year. And it was like a couple guys, friendship, but the context is predominantly like household stuff. Um, and just to go, we just need some car time together. So we're going to schedule months in advance, a weekend, and we're going to drive 11 hours. We're going to try and fail to shoot a pig, um, except for one guy. And then we're going to drive back. And like, be, because we need that. And that's that. Are you relating in a way that this could, if it's supposed to, mm-hmm. go for a long time? Yeah, these are helpful. There's there's rhythms and uh, specific things like adventure and purpose that I think the longevity of a relationship needs. But to bring this all the way back to the beginning, this one is, for me, what we spent the first two-thirds talking about is that question of like, um, Yes, you're lonely. Yes, you feel isolated. But the chances are you you know a lot of people 
And is there something to going deeper with a few that actually might prove a much richer and longer experience in the world of friendship for you? Yeah, it is really countercultural right now to actually aggressively pare down who you'll give any of your attention to. I mean, this is the thing about even restricting the number of social channels that you're on. So many people in the last year have like loved their life more, even though they're currently pretty isolated, by getting off Facebook and then they were just on Instagram for a while. And then after six months, they also got off Instagram and things still kept improving in their relational soul. Like they didn't feel less connected is the miracle. But to go, there is an aggressive paring down of, I think that it's, it's the tiny pieces at the edge of my relational world that drain the most. And, and, for, and just let's just say in a work sense of it is the small things uh, like the little asks that are a lot of time that I think, oh, well, that's probably okay, that have like the most drain on my mind and stamina. And so to clear those things, even though they're small, actually really changes. I think, and I have experienced, there's like a relational corollary. We're going, the, the little commitments at sort of the edge of your relational world, whatever it is, um, pairing those down can actually be incredibly like exciting and multiplying. The coworker who you don't see very often, but who's always asking you to go bowling and once a month you say yes and just go, okay, just from now on, that's a no. Or the friend of your parents who's always inviting you over. And so every once in a while you, you say yes, um, but to just go, okay, just from now on, that's a no. Um, because you're just not available that many places and watch what it's like uh, to have more of yourself available to what really matters. 